0: I didn't know if I was going to make the drop time or not, or if we were going to have to restart. I was mid-swallow of water. My name is (laughs) Ryan David. I think we should restart that, because now the water went into my nose. (laughs) Fuck.
1: You have to learn to swallow more quickly, Ryan. Yeah, I'm going to (laughs) restart. Fair enough.
0: Nerd Cognito. You know, I had a really pithy entrance for this week, and I'm just totally flushing it down the toilet. My name is Ryan David. You are listening to another week of Nerd Cognito, and this is the third time I have opened the show. I am joined by Bert, as always, Bert, what the fuck is wrong with my voice today?
1: <laughs> I have no idea, Ryan. How you doing?
0: I apparently I'm not doing well because my brain is telling my mouth what to say, but my mouth isn't listening. So
1: <laughs> how was your well, week, Bert? I, I wasn't bad. Pretty quiet, you know. I had a good week. I saw that uh, you were
0: undertaking the bacon.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, in the middle of a project, curing and smoking my own bacon, uh, something I like to do on occasion. Uh, I'm sure it
0: will be tasty. The last pork-related major project that I remember from you was when you became Ham Santa and made your own Christmas hams, so...
1: I did, yes, that was, uh, that was an undertaking, you know, making multiple hams at once was, uh, takes up a lot of real estate in the fridge.
0: Well... Uh, I, I, I guess they were good. Ham Santa did not come by and drop off the pork for this Jewish boy, which makes me sad because I, I would eat it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anything else going on this
1: week? Uh, not too much. We got together and played some games with, uh, some of my wife's friends and, uh, you know, it was Just a pretty relaxing weekend.
0: Yeah, interesting enough, that's going to be our segment on the other side of the news. We're going to start out and talk about low-level monsters in Dungeons & Dragons slash fantasy role-playing. And then, of course, we have the news. So uh, a jam-packed show this week. We want to give a big, big, big shout-out to our dear friend Joe from Biggest Geekus, who was on with us last week. Hey, surprise! He was able to make the most of his week off. You might remember he said he was going to take a week off of his day gig and focus on the Emporium. The Emporium is live, folks. So definitely, if you have digital tabletop role-playing dollars to spend, go to BigGeekEmporium.com and tell them that NerdCognito sent you. Uh, It's just just the right thing to do. Censorship-free, more money to the creators, general good guy. So if you can't get behind those three things, then I'll get behind you and walk away when I'm done. <sighs> um, Yeah, we're starting out with the Nerd Cognito role-playing Group, and we've made the transition that we talked about last week to our fantasy characters, and that brings me into what we're going to talk about this week is... How, as a dungeon master, do you handle your low-level encounters? You know, they get a bad rap, Bert. They do. They do, because, you know, there's some very, very typical choices that get made. And I can see how, if you're not outside of the box, it can be a little stale sometimes, but I think stale is good, you know. Well, uh, let me rephrase that. Stale is not good. But I think the reason things are common is because they are common, and it is up to you as a DM to make them uncommon. Uh, I'll give you an example. You remember our first encounter in the Nerd Cognito table, right? Sure. Nothing spectacular. Tell the folks what Show- it was.
1: Showdown with the local sheriff.
0: It, it was a showdown with the local sheriff. And by sheriff, I don't want to confuse folks because they know that we were in the Wild West and then the party transitioned to a fantasy setting and they indeed met the sheriff in the fantasy setting, but this guy wasn't wearing a tin star.
1: Right. Think sheriff of Nottingham, not uh, Marshall Dillon.
0: Essentially, though... Two humans was our first encounter, right? Sure. Nothing to write home about. No magic, crazy weapons. No insane special abilities. It was as vanilla as vanilla could get for two reasons. I wanted to give the group a chance to feel out their characters. And by not having a ridiculous over-the-top encounter it really did provide an opportunity for folks to get their sea legs, so to speak. And number two, the sizzle is in the story. Who is this sheriff? Why does he have an axe to grind with your mysterious benefactor that saved you after you came out of the rift? You know, why is he invested in finding you? Those sort of questions.
1: All good things to find out.
0: Well, they are all good things to find out. But generally speaking, we fought two humans or what was three humans, something like that. Whatever it was. Right, uh, three humans. Balanced it out and uh, good old bandit template is what I was using, if if you could believe that. I'm sure you can. can.
1: Uh, I mean, bandits are a common uh, low-level adventure, uh, like monster encounter.
0: The point is, nobody knew that it was a bandit template, right? No. Because I closed it down in story juice, which I think any good DM does. I I was looking over some things, and and we read an article or a list or something that made me want to yell several months ago uh, about monsters that just need to be eliminated from Dungeons & Dragons. Do you remember that one?
1: sure and a lot of those monsters are what you would think of you know as standards for low-level players goblins um cultists
0: kobolds
1: right that kind of thing goblins
0: you said goblins i did well skeletons zombies um all of those are excellent excellent low-level monsters and they are great for a game if especially and most importantly if you're not a group of grizzled old grognards and you have a sprinkling of newer folks to the hobby in your group, these are great starter encounters because when I say zombie, there is not a misconception about what I'm talking about. Right. You know, everyone generally gets it and they get the, the flaws and the weaknesses, as as well as some strategy to use. They get the general mores and conventions that go along with that term zombie. So I think it's important to use some of those trite and overused monsters and jazz them up through your story. The zombie that shows up in the encounter can be a zombie of, oh, I don't know, the child that they tried to help, the, the cute little street urchin that begged for medicine a couple of sessions back. And that, poof, instantly gets a hook and a connection, and you have a much more interesting encounter with a manageable monster that's manageable from both the DM side and, like I said, for that new player side. I'm not going to throw a grell (laughs) at at a first, even if I, you know, watered it down. So it would be acceptable for, for like a a, a good balanced second level encounter. I still, I'm not going to throw that right off the bat. Those low level encounters are still when the party is finding itself.
1: Right. And, And there are kind of exceptions to that too. I mean, I played in a campaign where the, uh, like the, the whole, sto- whole story hook was that there was a plague spreading across the land. So you would run into monsters that were weakened by the plague or, you know, that that were watered down, so to speak, for lower level encounters. And you were, you know, it was kind of a shock to lower, lower level characters to run into that monster. But that was kind of the whole story arc for that. Right. Thematically it fit it and it works. works. Right. you know because it, it it's
0: driving the story that the dm is telling right no i i i like that i am tucking it away into somewhere where hopefully it doesn't fall through a memory hole because <laughs> you know that's a great idea i'm a fan of running a juvenile dragon very early in the campaign you know a horse sized dragon <laughs> and um it's it's an acceptable challenge it's it's stiff but not insurmountable it's not a total party kill and it gives everybody that i guess metagame moment you know that they want they want to fight the dragon well let's get it out of the way guys here it is and and that's worked well. I, I do I am I am a fan of throwing a, a juvenile dragon very early, which means that now I won't do it for the Nerdcognita group because I'm talking <laughs> about it.
1: Um, what's your favorite low level mob? Low level mob? Uh, I would have to say I like uh, Fey creatures, low challenge rating Fey creatures because they're not something that people are. As familiar with as say goblins or things like that, but fairies or brownies, you know, you're you're like, oh, okay, your party's involved in a battle with creatures that are six inches tall, go. And (laughs) it just kind of, it just kind of, uh, it really throws the party kind of off their footing to start with. And that's kind of, I want them to be guessing. I don't want to be boring people kind of from the start. You know what I mean?
0: I I do. I like to to throw, um, in addition to the juvenile dragon, Uh, environmental stuff into the low-level encounters, too, because I look at it, you know, I'm going to put my teacher hat on here, and I look at it as I am sort of setting the expectations and teaching the party how they can expect to perceive and interact with my world, both in and out of combat. So it's not out of character for me to have an environmental issue that has a very clear way to overcome it and then have some sort of twist because, you know, I like to do that. Sure.
1: You are going to encounter things that you are not prepared to deal with. The best thing you can do is get the hell out of there. But a lot of people who are playing kind of expect every encounter to be sort of at their level or below.
0: Oh, there is a segment of the hobby, Bert. That freaks out at the fact that everything is not a moment where they can become superheroes and overcome whatever obstacle is in front of them. This is a big gripe of the Sparkle trolls, and i don't I don't pick on them that much because I think it's not exclusive to them. Like I, I'm not gonna single them out for this because there's always been that kind of gamer. It's just sure. more pandemic across their population where everything should be achievable and everything should be that sh- that the party is given should be something that they can overcome. And that's just not the case. Running is always an option. and those that are in a situation that merits running and choose not to do so, actions have consequences. That's all I'm going to say. There's no shame if you're alive at the tavern at night versus dying on the battlefield.
1: Right. I mean, you know, even before, you know, combat resistant gaming groups and things like that, which are, you know, sort of the newer age players that you're discussing, there were always guys who wanted to. Kill every monster, loot everybody. You know, we oh, call them mur- murder hobo. Right. The murder hobo is not new <laughs> by, the, no. by any means. And if they couldn't if they couldn't kill something, they were not happy about it.
0: I know. And mark this day down in history. I do give the sparkle trolls a pass, and I don't harp on them for that because it's not exclusive to them. They've just sort of adopted it in, in greater numbers. Now, I think the thing that is more exclusive to them, since you know, we went down this Avenue far, be it from me not to kick them in the balls when I have an opportunity. Um, uh, Ryan. <laughs> but, but what is exclusive to them is the, I can do whatever I want with a natural 20. <laughs> uh, specifically as it relates to like skill checks and, and just meta human feats. Uh, no, you can't, no, you can't. You're, you're The difficulty check on that is a 55. That's after you use Wish. So you're fucked. What other sort of new low-level twist turns or tips do you have that you want to throw out there when you've got a combat for a bunch of wet-behind-the-ears ne'er-do-well level 1, level 2 characters?
1: Don't be afraid to... um sort of change expectations one of the most interesting low-level encounters I ever had was okay do you remember a creature called a flump? Uh,
0: I'm gonna be honest my old man brain knows the name but cannot connect the dots with the creature tell me about it
1: so basically they were hilarious it was basically like a flying jellyfish um like appropriately named. <laughs> A land-based flying jellyfish that was not evil and traveled on like a jet of air so they basically flew by perpetually farting all right so they were they were a ridiculous and silly creature and everybody knew at the time when we were playing this was like second edition revised everybody knew that flumps weren't evil so our dm at the time threw in a group of evil flumps that had been corrupted so you had this low level creature that you knew wasn't evil and all of a sudden they're attacking you. So it wound up being one of the most memorable encounters because it was, it turned a convention on its head. You know, you just kind of ignored these creatures whenever you saw them because they were mostly harmless. And then until they weren't right. No.
0: I I agree. I think it, it is definitely about the swerve, bro. (laughs) <laughs> the, the, the swerve at the lower levels are how you make those innocuous. I mean, let's face it. a uh, Cobalt is a cobalt, right? Sure. But having a cobalt encounter that has a swerve makes it memorable and fun. And, and that's really what we're all here to do. We're all here to have some good times, laugh, and, you know, pretend that we are somewhere else for a few hours. So...
1: Yeah, I mean... To, to this day, I still laugh when I think back that, you know, our party almost got taken out by a bunch of flying jellyfish farts. Yeah, fart bags
0: almost took yeah. you out. <laughs> that's, that's news for the town crier.
1: Oh, I said it. You did. And now what's in the news, Ryan? Oh. Uh, I got a big news week this week. Okay, hit me. What do we got? Uh,
0: I I wasn't trying to have a big news week. It, it, and it's not big news. Like let, let me rephrase how I said that. I've got a lot <laughs> of news this week. <laughs> it, it, it's not a, a big news week. It's it's we got a lot of news this week. Um, well,
1: only way to get it done is to get started. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I just sold my HeroScape set, and HeroScape is coming back.
1: Oh, really? They're doing a reprint?
0: Uh, As always, you know, Wizards slash Avalon Hill slash Hasbro is looking for new revenue streams. And with the success of rebooting HeroQuest, why not bring back Heroescape too? Uh, Heroescape was announced at Gen Con. So the hex-based battle game is coming back. It's going to have a brand new starter set. And it will be fully backwards compatible for those of you that paid way too much for my HeroScape sets.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what those things sold for, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. They they were because go- they were. It was rare to find one that was in good shape and th- that people were willing to give up.
0: So let me tell you how I got HeroScape because clearly it's not. In, in, in my strong suit for type of games that I'm going to play. No. Um, when it first launched, our dearest friend, and I, were, were looking online one day, surfing somewhere or another. I even think it might have been the evil Amazon. And this was back when they did a lot of buy one, get one freeze in their toy category. Now okay. hobby gaming was not hobby I mean it was hobby gaming back then, but it wasn't something that you could go on Amazon and order a board game like you can today, right?
1: Right, no, that was more it was more a niche market back then, sort of not seen as a as a massive revenue stream by companies. Well, this
0: was just after the acquisition by Hasbro. So what shows up on Amazon? HeroScape. And I said, geez. Look, it's it's buy one get one free. You want to go half seas? Because effectively, we can both get a set for half off. And and <laughs> said, sure, I'll do that. And then I got it, and I was like, this is really cool, and I want extra terrain, you know, because I I have <laughs> I have this problem with collecting things. <laughs> yes, I know. I wonder if it's still buy one get one free, and I got two more sets. Well, one of the sets got opened. And we, we played it, you know, when it came in. Then those other two sets, I moved around through two marriages and three, four, five living arrangements. <laughs> and <laughs> when I landed in our final home that we're in now, I was going through some things. And lo and behold, there were two sealed HeroScape starter sets. And I also, somewhere along the lines, picked up the Marvel superheroes one. This was before the MCU blew up Marvel. So I had that, but I had never opened it either. Because, you know, Ryan has this problem with buying things and then holding on to them. <laughs> That's true. So I was able to put those up on, I believe, Craigslist? And someone paid me way too much for all of them. This guy said, I, I want them all. Will, will Will you deal on the price? I said, no. It's it's HeroScape, and I know what it sells for. Fine. You're a jerk. I was like, do you want it or not? Because, like, there's a line. and There wasn't a line. He, he is the only... <laughs> I know they're hard to come by, but buyers for them are also kind of hard to come by especially if you're not going to ship it i wasn't willing to ship it because that opens up for too much fraud you know i can see that so um it's a final pain dude came peeled off some some bills and i handed him some heroescape so it's going to come back and i'm not going to buy it the second time around because it will be over produced at this point and not worth anything. <laughs> as as evidenced by the shit ton of He-Man that I have to wade through to get to my studio.
1: Yes, yes. Your addiction to plastic won't kick in when you see those figures?
0: No, not not for HeroScape. Not not this time around. Here's another blast from the past. We we brought something up in the earlier segment, but this is also something that we talked about that was Supposedly scrapped because of the poor sentiment that it, I guess, created amongst the nerdy population. Remember a while back, uh, someone had, it was either Office or Windows, and they were in a preview channel for it, and there was a mechanism for ads to be delivered through their products?
1: Yes, I, I do recall that.
0: Surprise, surprise, it went live In Office 2021, certain users are now reporting getting single-line banner ads across the top, offering them three months of Microsoft 365 for only 99 cents.
1: Oh, really? I thought they finally scrapped that idea. Uh,
0: Supposedly, when it was launched, they said, no, 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 this was just a development thing. It was an idea. The code was left in. You know, this is... This is not anything that we're going to investigate, and promotional messages are showing up in Office 2021, and it is the latest in an ever-growing series of ads in all sorts of Microsoft products. Um, the next one up is going to be the advertisements in the File Explorer, which is specifically the one that they said we're not going to do. No, 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 no. That was a... Dev- we were just brainstorming. So... <laughs> uh, here they go. They didn't even do it right. They had a typo in it. <laughs> it said, Lim- Limited time offer. Get three months of Microsoft 365 family for only dollar sign dollar sign 0.99. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, guys. Fuck you. <laughs> uh... Ready to go back to your youth? Sure. Who didn't play Punch Out? Oh, I think everybody played Punch Out. Of course, back then it was Mike Tyson's. It was Mike Tyson's Punch Out back then. And then they had the Super Punch Out sequel, which was very well received, incredibly reviewed, and I never played, nor did I know anybody that owned it or played it on the Super Nintendo.
1: I played it on the Super Nintendo once. I remember I knew one guy who had a copy. I don't remember anybody else buying it. And
0: boy, uh, you know, looking at it for a Super Nintendo game, it was a pretty game.
1: Yeah, it was good looking. I, I'm i not one. I'm not normally a boxing game type guy, but I think everybody played Punch-Out! But Super Punch-Out! was just kind of, eh, I knew about it, but I didn't really go for it. Right. Well,
0: they uh, have discovered... A mode in the Super Nintendo Super Punch-Out! almost 30 years later that turned it into a two-player game. Really? Yes, through a button-hold cheat code combination, you can unlock a versus screen and follow up with a second button-hold cheat code combination... To allow the CPU opponent to be controlled from Joypad 2 so you could fight against each other.
1: <laughs> that's kind of funny.
0: It was very interesting to see. I can see why it was... I mean, Punch-Out! Punch is an over-the-shoulder, one-player sort of journey. Right. And I think this was the developers having a novelty. It was right around the time when Street Fighter 2 was at its peak. Um, I can see why they put it in, but I can also see why they left it out. I cannot fathom being the player that is punching down on a little Mac, because wouldn't everything be backwards, question mark? I don't know. I don't know how it was programmed. Um, So... I don't know if you'd officially consider this a two player. I guess it is. It is a two player game right now.
1: Right. But it's really it'd be really bizarre to be have the character facing you and have to box. That's
0: that's what I'm saying. It it just sounds awkward and clunky. But hey, you can finally be bald bull.
1: (laughs) So do Popinski.
0: Was he in the second one? No, I don't think there is Soda Popinski in, in Super Punch Out. I'm looking at the oh. roster.
1: I know, I, he
0: was fun. Although, he had a creepy laugh when he knocked your ass out in the original Punch Out.
1: Oh, yes, he did.
0: So, hey, just remember, hop, hop, punch. That's the secret. Hop, hop, punch.
1: Bald Bull. <laughs>
0: Boy, he was a bitch, too.
1: Yeah, he was a rough one.
0: Still going back in the Wayback Machine a reboot has been confirmed for consoles and PC of Alone in the Dark. Really? That's one that I didn't expect
1: to see come back.
0: No, no, no. And it definitely caught my attention, as I'm sure you're now interested as well, because this is a big tip of the hat to our favorite otherworldly author, H. P. Lovecraft. And, uh... It's generally considered the first 3D survival horror game. But now we're looking at a reimagining of Alone in the Dark. Now, normally I'd be shitting all over the fact that they said reimagining. But they've secured Michael Hedberg, who was the lead writer for SOMA and Amnesia which are two spectacular horror games. True. And they have Guy Davis doing creature design, who has also done creature design for, oh, I don't know, little horror movies made by a guy named Guillermo del Toro. So they're definitely loading up. Is it going to work? I don't know. Is Lovecraftian going to play right now?
1: I don't know. I mean, there have been some Lovecraft movies in recent years, but they were pretty rough. I'm thinking Nicolas Cage's Color, Color Out of Space. Color Out
0: of Space. Oh, gosh. That was bad.
1: Yeah, that was Nicolas Cage on, on a Nicolas Cage bender. Yep. Um Although, every time I hear you say the words Alone in the Dark, all I can think is that terrible Christian Slater, Tara Reid movie. I'm drawing a complete
0: blank. Is this like after Tara Reid ceased to be hot? It was in 2005. Mm, Nada. What's it called?
1: Alone in the Dark. Oh. Oh.
0: That's why every time
1: you say it, I keep thinking of it. Okay. It was was directed by, um, what's his name? Ewa Boll.
0: Uh, Sounds like I'm glad I missed it.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it was was very bad. Very bad. Um, It has... 1% 1% on Rotten Tomatoes. 11% oh, audience score.
0: That is spectacularly terrible. Way to go, Christian Slater.
1: I thought maybe that was what killed the video game franchise. <laughs> Tara Reed
0: 2005, you say?
1: Yep. Oh, she was still
0: reasonably hot in 2005. She's not like, like the, I don't even know what it is you would call her now. Sadness, is what you would call her now. All uh, right, I, you know, I, I'm willing to give it a shot. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how Lovecraft's going to play right now. Too many people are going to have nightmares and, you know, go looking for their whoobies.
1: <laughs> I don't know. We're big uh, cosmic horror fans, so I'm sure this is something that will stay on our radar. It,
0: it, it will. It will. I think the biggest disappointment is that it was... Alone in the Dark that's getting the remake instead of Eternal Darkness. Well, while we're going back to times when things were just a little scarier and the world was a little better, might as well go back in book world, too. Most of my favorite Stephen King books, with the exception of the biggies, right? Uh, So I guess... I don't know how to phrase this, Bert. I'm I'm, I'm really... Low. I like Richard Bachman books. Okay. I think he the, was a little... The Long
1: f- Walk, the, uh, you know, things like that. Yeah, the I think he was a little man. more free
0: when he was writing under his pen name until that cat sort of came out of the bag, right? Sure. Well, one of my favorite Richard Bachman and strangest Richard Bachman books was The Regulator's. Oh yeah,
1: the regulators was uh it's an really interesting weird. Book. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting book. It was a little strange. I I read a I read all of those. It it was funny because it was just a like a really bizarre sort of uh, take on things from him. Like there was that whole you know external horror element that you normally don't find in you know or that you normally don't think of with Stephen King,
0: especially when you consider that it was written and released with its companion book on the other side, which was a Stephen King book, Desperation. So the two were meant to be read hand in hand. Right. I I remember the cover was even clever because there was a, a, a fence, and there was a hole in the fence. And if you were looking at the Desperation cover, it was the other side of the fence, and you could see the cover of... The regulators through the hole in the fence on desperation and vice versa. You could see the cover of desperation through the hole in the fence on the regulators. Um, anyway, you know it's probably the last time I was excited for Stephen King because he's fallen into the same trap that so many other people. That he, he's gone complete, completely political cuckoo now, and I, I don't even want to palate anything new from him, not because of his politics but just because of how vocal he is with his politics (laughs) um but i'm interested to see what they do with the regulators because it's going to be an interesting movie to make and i don't think it's a movie that could have been made without some of the benefits of where cgi and computer graphics are today
1: Right, I mean, you're definitely going to need some of that. Like the uh, the way that the 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 way that the descriptions played in the book, it's not something that you could really recreate, you know, practically.
0: Right. Nope. Uh, practical effects just just weren't going to work because it was all supernatural shit, anyhow. Anyway, it's optioned. We'll see what happens. But it sounds like uh, the regulator's movie is coming soon. And last but not least, you got 20 hours to kill, Bert.
1: Mm, depends on the week. Sometimes
0: <laughs> got 20 hours to kill in one sitting, Bert. Oh, doubtful. Why? Uh, I guess we're not going to play Ti.
1: Oh, really? Did they uh, did they change the uh, estimated time frame for a first playthrough now?
0: No, no, no. It, it's still ungodly long. But they did announce that there's going to be a Twilight Imperium Roll and Write game. That is specifically designed to shrink the length of the game, but promises to keep the depth the same.
1: How? How Uh, are you going to manage that?
0: TI, the rolling right. Well, first of all, you got to gather a group large enough. TI takes minimum double-digit hours to, to play. Although... There's someone that will argue that with us
1: <laughs> left and right. There is, there is. I but mean, the general
0: consensus are. is double-digit hours into spanning days to, to play through TI. Uh, the roll and write is condensing it down. Players now get four writable sheets just shrinking the content down. It It was an interesting collision of genres. Now, we all know. This year, I did not go to GenCon. No, and um, I can't speak firsthand. All I can say is, looking at it, it's still incredibly busy, and I don't know that this is going to do any favors to fans of the game because it's just a mess. It's it's an absolute hot mess. Lots of shit on a page. At this point, I would rather actually find the time and say, hey, you know, let's play over the weekend and and put time together. I'm going to send you a picture of the player sheet.
1: Holy, wow, that's colorful, but that's a, it's it a, looks like a nightmare. That's
0: a lot to manage from the player's end of it.
1: Yeah, exactly. At, at this point, I just want
0: two tables and put the board game up.
1: <laughs> now, Fair.
0: time will tell. I might be completely wrong because I am totally judging the book by its cover here, but knowing what TI is, play, having played 3rd edition previously, and having, well, we've had a copy of 4th edition at our disposal since it launched, and we just never have been able to say, yeah, we've got 16 hours to play this board game, <laughs> which 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 makes said owner of the board game very sad.
1: True, true. I mean, how many times has he said, oh, if we could just get together on a Saturday, I bet we could play through it. Yeah, if we were going to play from, you know, pre-dawn to late into the evening, maybe.
0: Yeah, uh, 20s, they are in the rearview mirror, and 20-hour gaming sessions went with them. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Roll right, T.I.? They're calling it Twilight Inscription. Get it? Ha Ha-ha. ha. Ha ha ha. Uh, yeah, yeah fuck them. <laughs> That's the news this week, Bert. Fair enough. I was wrong in saying that we had a big news week. We had a lot of news to cover.
1: <laughs> true, true. I mean, there's nothing earth-shattering in there, but there's some interesting things. There are indeed. So, you and the wife
0: had an interesting gaming experience.
1: Sure. We got, we got together with some friends of hers. We had dinner together and then they're like, well, let's, uh, why don't we play a game or something? You know, okay. So, you know, they're not hardcore gamers and my wife is definitely not a hardcore gamer. She's, you know, very casual if she plays at all. So, so the they would walk
0: is, into my game room and look at the bookshelves and be mortified
1: no it would be they would more have like analysis paralysis like what game could we even play in this you know insane uh it looks like the back room at a store at a store for board games you know
0: <laughs> oh so what did you guys end up end up deciding on
1: so i tried to pick a game that wasn't a total party game like i i didn't want to do like Cards Against Humanity or something like that. Although that can be fun with the right group of people, like a party game can be fun. So I, I broke out one of my old Steve Jackson games and we wound up playing Shea Geek. Oh, uh, you didn't I'm, play Shea Cthulhu. No, no, uh, we, played, we played Shea Geek. Have you played it?
0: I've I played Shea Cthulhu, same game, different skin.
1: Sure, sure. Like in, in Shea Geek, you're... All roommates sharing an apartment and you want to be the biggest slacker in the apartment. And we had a good time laughing at the cards and messing with each other and things like that. So it was, uh, it was, it was fun because it was casual. It's a game my wife enjoys. You know, it was something, but it got me thinking, you know, if you've got a mixed group, casual gamers and, you know, people who have, you know, serious chops when it comes to gaming, what game do you bring to the table that everybody can play and enjoy?
0: Oh, there's a bunch of different. You know, so much of it depends on who's actually at the group too. You know, um, that's true. You really have to read your audience because things come to the top of my like werewolf would would come to the top of my mind. You know, play ultimate werewolf. Um, simple, but if you don't have a group that's comfortable talking and you know, pseudo role playing and and adopting the role, sure. it's going to be a total flop. Exactly. I um, have refereed games of werewolf with groups that fell into that category, and it's not fun. On the flip side, too, you got to watch if you end up pulling a board game. It has to be something that you could teach quickly, and that can be understood. So. I don't know if I would go co-op. I don't know if I would go... I know I would not go asymmetric just as a rule of thumb,
1: right? No, no. I mean, you want something where everybody has the same rules of play so that it makes it easier to explain it. When you first told me what you guys were
0: doing, I, I had a game that popped into my head that... I have no idea why it popped into my head other than it would fit for the situation because it's somewhere in between a card game, a board game, and like a werewolf-like experience, only it's not going to require so much player creativity. It sounds terrible, but it's true. Player creativity and immersion in the character Okay. And that game is The Bloody Inn. Have you ever played The Bloody Inn? I never have. Uh, The Bloody Inn is, you know, you're France, 1830s, and you're in a village, and a family of greedy rural farmers is looking to make their fortune and to set up an inn and rob and or kill the traveling guests without... You know, drawing ire from the police. So, huh. um, it's a very interesting game, not a new game by any means. The original version came out in the mid 90s. I remember being intrigued by it. Asmodee, I think, holds the rights to it now. It's still being printed. So I just sent you a little hit list of what the Bloody Inn is. And, um,. I can see this as being a great entry point. It's light-ish. It's easy to to play. It plays in about 45 minutes. Everybody has a different role to play, but without working together while working against each other, it it doesn't succeed, so it really does sort of fit the bill for that sort of non-party game party game.
1: Huh. Okay. This is this is interesting. So it's a card game.
0: Yes, it's a card okay. game with a central board.
1: Okay. It looks interesting. You know, it's sort of a my sort of go to for you know casual players is to to break into my stash of Steve da- Jackson games and break out you know Shea Geek or Munchkin. Or...
0: Oh, you said Munchkin. I was I was really hoping you weren't going to say Munchkin. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Or one of those, because they have those humor elements, this is actually a little more serious, and it's a, But you still tongue-in-cheek. Right. Still tongue-in-cheek. It still looks like a good, you know... It's not going to bring the group down or, you know, anything like that.
0: No, and it's not an expensive game either, you know. No. You, that's the other thing. You don't want to pull a game out that's a $300 Kickstarter. Because if they had a lot of fun with it. You want them to go and buy a copy of that game because, you know, that's how we get them hooked. (laughs) (laughs) And if you, you you do pull out the $300 Kickstarter and they go to look it up and it's now $500 because it's not in print, but it's still, there's a couple of people with pledges on eBay that have it. They're not going to buy it.
1: No, This one I
0: think retails for 30, 40 bucks. And that is attainable, especially if they had a really good time with it. Agreed. So, interesting that that game, out of the blue, not having played it for ever, has uh, just popped in there, and I said, that's where it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn here and look at the, the Wall-O games and see what else sticks out. Did you have any other ideas for that sort of mixed company that you would put out?
1: Not that I could think of sort of off the top of my head. You want something that has simple mechanics that it's easy to pick up and play. I mean, I will, you know, try to get everybody and their mother to play terraforming Mars, but it's not exactly, you know, a game for people who aren't gamers to yeah, jump that's into. N-
0: that's not a good fit right off the jump for, you know, if everybody's together and you weren't planning on playing a game.
1: Right. Right. It's not going to be, oh, let's break out Terraforming Mars. Everybody's got a couple hours, right?
0: (laughs) I think from an impromptu standpoint, I'm trying to find one that's not card-based because, obviously, in that sort of situation, a card-based game is going to be a lot simpler, too.
1: Right, right, and it's something that you could easily you know, just sort of break out. It doesn't require you setting up a board or doing a lot of prep work for it. How about sheriff of Nottingham in that situation? Sheriff of Nottingham could be fun. That's a, that's a fairly straightforward game, you know, and it's just, you know, kind of who's the best liar.
0: And if they get really into it and you do want to pull out a, a board, you can go with some of the, the mainstay classics. You can go with a pandemic sure just vanilla pandemic or uh if they're very really feeling adventurous i would spring unfathomable on them but <laughs> it, it's easy to teach hard to master everybody's working together at least at least when you get to a deeper game like that it's going to be i i would definitely keep it co-op
1: Another one that's kind of good for mixed groups like casual and serious players alike is Dixit.
0: Dixit. I'm I, not a fan of the game, but I definitely see where you're coming from. I would pull the right. Mysterium, which is effectively this, virtually the same game.
1: Right. It's just, it's just Dixit hard instead of Dixit easy. <laughs> Dixit hard. Right. Well, I, yeah. well that, it, that sounded pretty dirty, but it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> it hard. Bert said it this week,
0: folks. <laughs> you can direct those uh, emails to Bert at podcast at gmail.com. Uh, attention, Bert. it hard. <laughs>
1: uh, oh, I'm such yeah, a child. I mean, well, mysterious. Like, Dixit is, you I think, a lot Dixon easier. Dixit hard. <laughs> I did. But I still think it's easier to pick up and casually play Dixit than it is to pick up and casually play Mysterium.
0: Yeah, no, I agree.
1: Uh, How about Love Letter? Love Letter would be good. Um, You know, for smaller groups, it depends on how many people are playing. But yeah, Love Letter would work.
0: Lots of of different options. If you have a different mix of folks that would be more role-playing inclined, I can see you running Fiasco as well.
1: Oh sure cuz it's just the modules already there all you need is some dice and people willing to take on roles.
0: Right. So if you have the more adventurous group, you know, if it was our old theater group from college, we we would definitely be all in to to jump into Fiasco. So
1: Right. I mean, I've played in more Fiasco games than I can even count. Like they're just easy to jump right into for, you know, anybody who's done any improv or any acting or any role playing you know anybody can sort of you sort of slap themselves into that game real simple
0: right so i guess i guess the there's not a one-size-fits-all answer to this question it's really gauging your group using what you have available on hand i mean that's that's a big deal too because contrary to popular belief i'm not that guy that travels with games in my trunk uh, I, I don't always have something available. <laughs> um, and, and that makes a big difference, too. And you want it to be accessible,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not so complex that you turn people off, not so expensive so that they get sticker shock when they go to look it up later. And, you oh. know, uh, the bottom line is everybody has to have a good time. So you want to keep it in their comfort zone without having to do a fucking consent checklist.
1: And also, just a a tip, as alcohol consumption goes up, simpler games are better. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. This is true.
0: Well, good good advice, interesting situation, and uh, just tuck that away for when you're in the group and there's enough gamers that want to have fun and some people that you might want to sway to our side. Bring them over. Bring them over now. Tell them. To look up Nerd Cognito at the podcast provider of their choice, wherever where Google Podcasts, Apple, Spotify. Uh, thanks to Joe, we we've we've uh, reached out and got listed on Fountain. No matter where you are, it's probably there. So definitely find it, subscribe to it, listen to us, send us a positive positive five stars. That's the, the number of stars that if you like us or if you're a Sparkle Troll, one star because you secretly like us um, on the review. But no matter what, just make sure you tell your friends about us when you're at that party getting drunk. Oh, That's about it for us this week. Um, my name is Ryan David. I was joined by Mr. Dixit Hard, Burnt. <laughs> oh, Ryan. Oh, Thank you for listening to Nerd Cognito. We will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, folks. Dixit Hard.
1: <laughs>
0: Nerd!